Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. I wouldn't say we fell in love right away. I think we were, as they call it in the biz, trauma bonding. And then after eight years of being insufferably sober, I started drinking again. Addicts tend to be rather sensitive people. Aren't you Mark Maron? I'm like, yeah. And she goes, what happened to you? Hey, this is Anna David. You are listening to Recover Girl. It's a podcast about addiction and recovery and sharing your dark to find your light. And today I have a special guest. My cat, Lily, seems to really want to chat. I don't know if you just heard that little meow. It looks like she may be gearing up for another one. You know, cats, as soon as you want them to do something, they won't do it. So now she's just sitting there sniffing this recorder. Anyway, I didn't release an episode last week, and I am so sorry because I don't even have an excuse. I just didn't do it. But I'm making up for it because this week, this episode is not only with an amazingly intelligent guy, but it's a complete departure from what we normally do. This interview is from one of my Facebook Live interviews. So if you want to be privy to those, you've got to go and like my Facebook page, which is easy enough. Just go to facebook.com slash Anna B. David, and you will find out when these Facebook Live interviews are happening. Anyway, this one was with Gabe Zickerman. He's the co-founder of the app you need if you are at all worried about your relationship with technology, pornography, gambling, or shopping. Yeah, it's called Onward. Find out more by going to onward.org. Now, Gabe... Gabe is not my typical guest. He's not a sober guy talking about that. He is the world's foremost expert and public speaker on the subject of gamification. I give his full bio when I do his intro in the Facebook Live, so you're going to get all of that. But essentially, he went to the enemy side. He got us hooked on technology, and now he's trying to get us unhooked. So I'm going to let you guys listen to this, the, the, you know, Speaking of technology, there was he, he kind of broke up in pieces. I know, I know, I know the audio is not as perfect as your pristine ears might like it to be, but it's great information. So what else do I want to tell you? If you uh, are worried about your relationship with technology, you can go to Onward and take a quiz. That's at onward.org. And that's about it. Oh, there's a whole other quiz you can take. If you want to find out how to, are you a light hustler? Are you somebody who should be sharing your story with the world? I got a quiz for you, lighthustler.com slash quiz. That's enough for me. This is Gabe Zickerman, and he's talking about his app, Onward. Hi, you guys. Andrew David here. I'm here with my friend Gabe Zickerman. Is it Zickerman? It is Zickerman. I never check ahead of time how to pronounce it. It's um, I've just learned how to spell it, so I'm very proud of myself. Um, if you are just joining this conversation for the first time and you think you or anyone you know may have 
an unhealthy relationship with uh, technology, pornography, gambling, shopping, anything that you can access online or on your phone, go share this with them now because we are going to get into that. Gabe knows more about this than anybody I know. Um, that's it. Every week I talk to somebody about addiction recovery, uh, sharing their dark to find their light. Gabe is um, Gabe is an interesting one because I know literally nothing about Gabe's personal story. So I'm going to be finding it out just as you are. So exciting. I'm going to tell you I know a lot about Gabe's professional story. He's terribly impressive. So don't get too intimidated. But he is the world's foremost expert and public speaker on the subject of gamification, which he is going to tell us what in God's name that means in case we don't know. He's the author of The Gamification Revolution, Gamification by Design, Game-Based Marketing, and he's the founder and editor-in-chief of the industry's primary publication, Gamification.co. But his passion project that he is focusing on right now is called Onward, and it is an app uh, he is the co-founder of this app, and it is designed to help all of us deal with our potentially unhealthy relationships with technology, pornography, shopping, gambling. Gabe, have I left anything out? No, you got it in a nutshell. <laughs> Gabe also gives these TED Talks. How many have you given? Uh, I think four at this point. And, um, enough TED Talks. He doesn't know how many. Yeah, something like that. And, um, and your most recent one was about addiction. Yeah, that's right. And in fact, uh, one of the things that people find most interesting about my story, since you brought up gamification, is that, you know, for the better part of the last 10 years, I've been the chief advocate for addicting technology, basically helping companies like Apple, Google, Facebook, make their stuff more addictive. Um, and I've written all these books about it. And that's been my main, um, you know, source of income and certainly uh, what people associate me with. And a couple of years ago, I had a, sort of a revelation of looking around and seeing that uh, people were developing really unhealthy relationships with um, with technology. And, you know, with my own personal and family experience, uh, co-founded Onward with, uh, with this great guy, Adam Singer, who also has a family history of addiction and uh, decided to see if we could, you know, try to make the world a better place. Now, it's so interesting. Did you happen to see the New York Times story today? Of course. Because I, I, I just, I saw that and I thought immediately of you, if anybody hasn't seen it, it was basically about how everybody who's created our most addictive technology is now coming forward and saying that it's dangerous. Not that they regret it, but it's people from Apple, people from Twitter, people even Facebook. Um, what do you think about, what is it like to be a part <clears throat> of creating something and then seeing that it's a problem? And did you... Were you conscious of the addictive, uh, the dangers of addiction with it when you were doing it? Uh, yeah, you know, yes and no. I mean, I think I, you know, I, I would respond to criticism of what we did uh, with gamification, you know, much the same way that I respond to, would respond to criticism of it now, which is basically all persuasive technologies can be used for good and bad. So for example, the movies are generally thought of as a fairly benign or innocuous, um, you know, platform. But in practice, they're used for propaganda, like famously Lenny Riefenstahl during the Nazis. Um, so, the, you know, all mediums of communication, all methods of persuasion have their positives and negatives. Right. I think what's uniquely different about 
technology-based addictions or technology-based overuse is that um, technology adapts to us and tries to make itself more in addictive and more embedded in our world. You know, like a bottle of booze can only be as strong as that bottle of booze. But if Facebook could program a bottle of booze, it would try to figure out when you were most susceptible to booze and try to get you to drink by changing the flavor of it and the shape of the bottle and, you know, what's in it, which kind of bottles it's surfacing to you. And that's the, that's the power of algorithms that's, that's kind of different. And so we, we've entered a new like paradigm. This isn't the same addiction paradigm as, you know, uh, drugs or alcohol. Um, this is really something very, um, very unique and at a much different scale. And when do you think it became a problem or was it a problem from the beginning of the internet? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I'll tell you in my, in my history, you know, I have a, my own personal kind of like addiction stories. And, you know, one of the ones that I often tell people is I have this very clear memory of being, you know, 19 years old and being at college and uh, my roommate was throwing a big sort of rager, you know, and um, and I'm a pretty social person. But I spent that entire night playing a video game called Civilization, literally in the middle of the party. Like I was sitting there playing this video game for six to eight hours while like a hundred people swirled around me, um, you know, to play this game. And you know, it, it's the kind of thing that like in retrospect, I think about it and I go like, wow. I mean, I was really not connected to the reality that I wanted to be living. You know, I was really letting this game and my relationship to this game, you know, take me away from people that I loved and do, doing things that I really enjoyed. So it's, a, it's a, you know, it's definitely the kind of experience that I, you know, I can relate to, even though for me, drugs and alcohol haven't really been a, uh, you know, big feature of my life. Now, would you say that party, that college party was your bottom or that's just something you reflect on? Did it get worse? So here's the thing. Like, I, I don't know if with technology addictions, the, the concept of the bottom works quite as well, because I think one of the things that's insidious about technology is that, you know, it's, it's omnipresent. It's not like you or I, Anna, could get rid of our computers and our phones. He's like, God damn it, this is pissing me off and like throw it out and never use a phone again. I mean, it's a pipe dream. We need them to keep in touch with our friends and keep in touch with our family and, and do basic things like banking and also, by the way, navigate. Like, I mean, there's just like a million reasons why you need this, um, you know, technology in your life. So it's hard to establish a kind of relationship with technology where you say, you know, like, I, no more. You know, like everyone's got that friend who's taken the Facebook hiatus at one time <laughs> or another. You know, they always come back. They always come back like a week later. I'm always so impressed with anybody who does that. There's also, um, you know, I am not a good Jew, but I do know good Jews. And they talk about doing a sort of Shabbat, you know, just 24 hours of no phone. And my friend Emily and I talked about doing that and just it sounded too scary. Yeah, it is, I think, very scary for people. Um, and 
Yeah. Okay. Before I, I do want you to give a definition definition of what gamification is, because I would bet that most of us don't know. Oh yeah. So gamification is the use of game ideas to make things more engaging. Um, so if you think about it this way, the the core revelation that helped me understand why gamification was so important was that you watch people playing video games and my own personal experience that I just related to you, you watch people playing video games and they obsess about video games in a way that they don't really seem to do with other things. And so as I sort of sort of dig into that, I realized that the mechanics that make games uh, addictive are mechanics that can be applied in all other spheres. And in fact, they are now to a great extent applied in other spheres. But the best example of this is, you know, Instagram is not a game, but many of the features of Instagram behave like games, the way you get that notification that somebody liked your um, content and the counter for how many likes you actually receive. These are, these are design, these are pulled directly from the game designers playbook. And that's what gamification has been primarily used to do. You broke up during that last sentence right before, and that's what gamification has been. Yeah. So basically that um, the, the ideas from games, the things that make games addictive, uh, you know, are pulled directly from the playbook of, of game designers and put into all kinds of apps today, not just games. How did you become an expert in that? Well, I worked in the games industry for a long time. I'd founded and sold successfully a company um, in the video game space. And similar to this experience with Onward, my anti-tech addiction um, startup, when I started with gamification, it started with a sort of observation about the world and seeing you know, how people were thinking about the world. And, and then I really saw that there were games people on one side who understood how games worked and why they were so addictive and why people kept playing them. And then on the other side was like the whole rest of the economy with nobody really understanding like the, you know, the other equation. So that, that ended up being, I think, my, my sort of big moment. And, uh, and the kicking, you know, kickoff point that now, you know, thousands of people are gamification practitioners around the world. <clears throat> you know, all these companies, you know, use the techniques and talk about them and investigate them and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But I think the, I think the reality is that it very quickly is getting out of control and we need to empower people to, you know, set their own limits. And, and that's why we built Onward. Do, uh, do, does your old tribe see you as a traitor? To some extent, they do. Um, I think everybody's very positive about the work that I'm doing because, you know, they all understand that's important. I mean, it's funny, right? I don't have kids, but a lot of the people that I worked with have children. And, um, and you know, they, they, on one hand, are working to make Facebook more addictive. And on the other hand, going home and telling their kids not to use screens. Right. And there's a little bit of a, you know, of a hypocritical dichotomy. It's like, um, you know, uh, people in the, the alcohol business, like not drinking, not allowing their children to drink. Right. Um, and so, so I think everybody recognizes this as a visceral problem. I think that the most sobering statistic is that more than 50% of the population today believes that they use their devices more than they would like. Right. And 50% of teenagers out, outwardly say that they are addicted to their smartphone. And that none of that surprises me at all. And I fall into that 50%. Now, on that note, let's yeah. talk about 
onward and the quiz. And I think this is especially relevant for people who are in recovery from drugs and alcohol because addiction can really play, you know, whack-a-mole and you sort of get this one thing and then here it pops up here. And um, I know a lot of people who have a relationship with technology that they're that they're not happy with. It feels like overuse. And I know that talking about porn addiction and even shopping addiction is not as like cool and people aren't as out and proud about that, but I know there are people who are silently suffering. So Gabe, let's talk about Onward and what how people could use it. Sure, so so Onward is an app that, um, that we designed to help you understand your technology overuse, set limits um, on that technology overuse, and then help you stay accountable and learn coping skills that will help you uh, change your relationship to it. So part of the um, part of the impetus that we work very closely with our clinical advisors at UCLA, at Stanford, and at Columbia Medical Center, um, you know, to actually come up with a mechanism for helping people that is based in science, validated in research, and that actually um, is able to provide help to people at scale, so something they can afford. Um, and is accessible. So we, we designed it around these sort of best practices, which include, um, you know, first and foremost, giving you an accurate and clear reporting of how much technology you use and when. This is the like opening gambit is you have to install this uh, reporting technology. And what it does is it, uh, ab you know, absorbs all the things that you're doing with your devices and produces a report. It's an accurate and true and fair accounting of what you did. And then based on that, it encourages you to set limits for yourself. So you can say, you know what, I, for me, no porn is the right amount. Um, for somebody else, um, you know, maybe the, the rule is, you know, no video games during work hours, whatever the, you know, various parameters are for people. So you set your limits. The software will actually enforce those limits. So during the times that you set or for the amounts that you say you want to use, it'll actually block access to those sites and apps on your devices. Um, and then it will also help teach you uh, coping skills, including mindfulness, um, social connection, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, and a range of other um, types of interventions, physical exercise, um, to help you manage your cravings and manage your anxiety. And one of the things about um, the behavioral addictions that I think is important, oh, and actually Sarah just mentioned that uh, I guess she would be scared to know about, uh, and, and in fact, a lot of people are that way. About 30% of people come in, install to Onward, install the tracker, and then never look at their report. Um, yeah, right. So I, I understand the, the instinct that, you know, you might be a little bit scared of it. And, and I think, you know, just as with other kinds of recovery, if you're not ready to change your behavior, if it's not your time, right. when you're willing to make the investment and make the effort, um, you know, it's not your time. And my job is not to force, I'm not trying to like convince people that they have a problem that they don't, right. they don't already have. Um, you know, I, I, but, but I think with behavioral addiction, one of the things that's really difficult is, as I mentioned, it's everywhere and it's all around you. I mean, just think for one second about gambling. We tend to think of gambling as being the kind of thing that happens only in casinos but actually little tiny games of chance are kind of everywhere. They're on like websites and they're in video games and not, not uh, casino games, but like other games. 
you know, where like, uh, you know, you roll the dice and you see what happens. It's, it's all scratch ticket is all around you everywhere. And so if you're somebody who suffers from a kind of gambling issue, um, you know, you, you can't, um, you know, you can't really like set a limit on your own that will be effective at preventing you from interacting with it. And that's why technology like Onward is so important. Now we're getting questions, which I love. Alicia, yeah. I'm gonna put this up on the screen, is saying, what cognitive behavioral therapy tactic to find, do you find the best, I think is what she means. Any resources you recommend? We are a couple in recovery. My husband is in recovery from opioid addiction. I'm in recovery from, she says codecency, but I think she means codependency. Yeah, probably. But okay, Gabe, what do you say? Yeah, so CBT, so there's a number of different CBTs for addiction that have been developed, cognitive behavioral therapy for addiction. And uh, probably one of the variants of cognitive behavioral therapy that's very effective for people with serious addiction problems is called dialectical behavioral therapy or DBT. And if you've ever been um, you know, seriously suicidal um, or in an environment where DBT is, you, you, you might've run into DBT. And it's like CBT, but with uh, slightly more fun orientation. Uh, so so I, I don't think there's any like finite resource that you could focus on for CBT. But if you go to your app store, so if you're like a iPhone user or whatever, um, and you go to the app store and search for CBT, you'll find a whole range of apps that can help you um, kind of do CBT. In the Onward frame, uh, we use CBT as one of the interventions that you might want to use to help change your technology addictions. Uh, it doesn't work for everybody. Right. And just like in recovery, there's a lot in addiction in terms of drug and alcohol addiction. There's a lot of debate about like, should you do AA? Should you do yoga? Should right. you do CBT? And CBT is incredibly effective for a lot of people. But, you know, we're all snowflakes and, you know, everything it's something different is going to work for all of us. What I think is really cool is it don't you have like a sort of AI coach almost that works with each person? Yeah, so the Onward app is designed to kind of figure out what works best for you. And our, our AI coach is called O. Um, it's a bot that helps you. It's always there. So unlike, you know, when you're, uh, you know, doing this with a physical therapist, a human therapist, um, you have to kind of constrain yourself to whatever the therapy hours are. Um, or if you're talking to, uh, you know, your sponsor, for example, an AA, um, <clears throat> you know, whenever they're available to talk to you, the... Uh, technology-based coach that's in Onward is available 24-7, 365. And the more you use it, the more it understands what works for you. To your sort of previous point, there's actually really interesting data that I've aggregated that shows more or less uh, CBT and mindfulness work for about 30% of the population. Um, and it's hard to find that information for AA because of like reporting issues. Uh, but for CBT and mindfulness, about 30% of the population. So let's just be um, generous and say CBT mindfulness AA 30 30 30. So here's the crazy part nobody knows what makes someone more predisposed to be successful at AA versus mindfulness versus CBT. Like there's no data about that. Right. So right. that's why Onward's designed to use a little bit of all of those techniques, surface them, and see which ones actually catch, which ones work for people. And I think. The future of addiction recovery, certainly when it's technology driven, is um, to not be a partisan for one kind of treatment modality, but rather to find the optimal treatment modality for the person. 
Yeah, it's, that's very interesting because, you know, I don't work in treatment, but I am somebody who believed for her first 10 years of sobriety that there was one way and one way only. And anybody that veered from that path was, you know, jails, institutions or death. And it was really by doing this work and starting to hear from hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people where I learned I was wrong. I know what works for me. I have absolutely no idea what's going to work for somebody else. Yeah, for sure. Like to give you an example of this, I, I was a pack a day smoker for 15 years. Okay. Didn't know that. Never even tried to quit. Yeah. And I literally woke up one morning and visualized myself. I think I was 31. And I thought to myself, um, do I still want to be a smoker when I'm 40? And the next thought that entered my head was, no, I can't imagine uh, myself being a smoker at 40. And I literally quit cold turkey that day. And I've never had a cigarette since. And this process of what I figured out very early on, just from knowing so many other people who tried to quit smoking, that my results are atypical. I could go around and say, you can quit smoking with willpower. I did it. So of right. course you can do it. But I know from empirical fact that the majority of people who try to quit smoking fail. So well, you know? I would say what you guys don't know and I do is that Gabe is superhuman. Um, he <laughs> got in from Africa last night. And I, before we started, I was like, aren't you tired? He was like, yeah, I don't really have jet lag. So there's that. But I will tell you, we have this in common. I smoked for 13 years and uh, I quit cold turkey. Um, and that was, I don't know, 16 years ago. Uh, but uh, but I, I, first of all, I did Nicotine Anonymous, which mm. lots of people don't know about called Nick A. I mm. called myself Smober. So I became a total liberal <laughs> like that. I went to meetings, I worked the steps around it. And, yeah. um, you know, and that was that was my experience. And now I'm repulsed that I ever smoked it. But but um, yeah, it is very interesting that, you know, we, we just all have our different ways. So are, do you have any other? So you talked about your game addiction, smoking, are there any other sort of personal experience that you have with addiction? Yeah, I think these are my big ones. And, and I would say, you know, like uh, probably everybody um, who's single in the time of like dating and hookup apps. Um, I think I've had my moment certainly um, with those apps uh, feeling like I'm on there. And I don't know if you're, you know, your viewers will relate to this, but um, uh, you know, you're on there and you're not even horny. Mm. And, and I tend to think, you know, we, we developed this quiz and, and onward um, to help people assess how serious of a problem, um, you know, their overuse condition can be. And it's very similar to other quizzes. The NIH famously just released a couple of days ago, a new alcohol um, quiz that's designed to help you understand, you know, how big of a problem is alcoholism for you. And one of the characteristics of, um, you know, one of the characteristics that defines uh, people who have a problem uh, with, with overuse is that they, uh, often find themselves doing it, even though the underlying driver motivation, you know, isn't present. I'm not horny. I'm not hungry, but I'm eating. Right. right? right. Um, so what is that uh, for alcohol? I'm not in the mood to drink and I'm drinking anyway. Yeah. I mean, I think for, for, for drugs and alcohol, it's a, a kind of narrower focus. But the thing is, even still, there's this... Um, self-soothing and self-medicating that people do with with all kinds of different things and it's often disconnected from the core uh you know for the core experience as people often say about opioids um after a while people take opioids not to get high but just to avoid withdrawal 
And, um, and, you know, to a great extent, I think this is, this is where we are now with technology and, and that's why we made, um, you know, we made onward. So, so anybody can go and take that quiz, right? And it's yeah, just that's right. onward.org. Is that showing on the screen? I'm trying to make it show on the screen. I can't tell if it is. It doesn't seem to be showing on my screen, but it might be yeah, showing. For let me know, or hopefully you can, your, your brain isn't so tech addled. You can't remember that it's onward.org. Um, onward.org. Okay, tell, but you tell me if it's on there. So anybody can go, you take the quiz, and then what happens? Yeah, and then you can, uh, you know, and you can find out more on the website. There's a bunch of information about technology overuse and, uh, you know, and how it works and and what the context is and um, techniques for helping. And then you can download Onward and the app. Onward is basic. The basic version of Onward is totally free, yeah. um, so you don't need to, you know, you don't need to pay if you don't want to pay. You can just use. Uh, the tracking and reporting that I talked about before that, that shows you what you're using and when, that's totally free. And if you want the other interventions, um, you know, it's it's as low as $5 a month pretty much for, for everything else, the blocking, the accountability, the, you know, uh, all the interventions. So it's a very affordable solution for people who feel like, you know, they might have a problem. And that's the other reason, by the way, why we built this system with artificial intelligence um, and that was to uh, ensure that the the recovery options for people with technology pro- overuse conditions are accessible to literally everyone. So the other thing is, if you um, uh, have uh, if you're if you're of low socioeconomic status, you can also apply for a free version of Onward Pro uh, right on the website. So just look for our Onward Assistance Program, and that's. Uh, part of our, you know, part of our mission. Like, I don't think anybody should be uh, deprived of help here because they can't afford it. So keep the cost low, make it accessible to everyone. That's, that's one of the things we're hoping to do. And, you know, that's, there are, there are, there's a, I don't know if Restart is still in business, but there is a rehab, you know, that's something like $30,000 a month to go and deal with your technology addiction. Obviously, and there are a bunch of um, sex addiction rehabs that are terribly, terribly expensive and overpriced. So there's that. What um, and then, but, we- but not very many people can afford. I mean, part of the thing that's crazy, it's like how many people can afford that? And you know, for the behavioral addictions, gambling, shopping, video games, porn, sex, uh, and food to some extent, there isn't any insurance coverage whatsoever. It doesn't matter how messed up your life is from gambling. It doesn't matter if you're literally like suicidal you've ruined all your relationships you're unable to function you can't have a job there's like no money from the government for that problem and so part of it here is like i i hope that uh i hope very sincerely that we get our act together in this country around mental health and and particularly addiction but in the meantime i thought i would put my money where my mouth is so to speak and my time into coming up with something that would help the the majority of people Yes, um, people are there. Everyone's loving this and thanking me because this is a total departure from what we normally do. And I'm and you know, Gabe, you speak about this so articulately. It's good. Oh, and I wanted to talk about too um, yeah. onward success rates. It's so I, I saw an old statistic: okay. ten thousand monthly users last fall, and it and the success was was great. What can you can you tell us what that is? Sure. At this point, about um, just under 50,000 people have used Onward. And um, we are, uh, we've done a couple of studies, both of which are published on our website. So you can go to 
onward.org slash science and uh, read a little bit more about our research. And, um, you know, we, we were able to help um, of committed users. So people actually like, you know, became part of the, uh, actually used the program for a few days. Of committed users, we were able to help 89% of them reduce uh, their technology overuse. So fairly, a really, really that, substantial. That exact percentage, what percentage? Yeah, it was 89% of oh. all users experienced a reduction in their, their problematic overuse. And then in terms of porn, I, I saw some statistics that, that some people quit altogether, like 50% or something. Yeah, we had a large percentage of the population quit. And, and even more tellingly, the average person who uses Onward, we stopped them from 96 attempts to use per day on average. Oh my God. So that we can track that very clearly, like how many times you try to go to porn websites. Um, and, and the average person were stopping about a hundred, uh, you know, a hundred attempts to use each day. So, I, you know, I, Onward isn't designed for drugs and alcohol, and I, I don't want to draw parallels to it, but just allow yourself to imagine for one second, if there was a technology that every time you even thought about taking a drink, it came along and it went, you know? A very scary Big Brother-esque world if we could have that for drugs. Sure, sure. But, but like us, you know, we're not an arm of the government. We don't sell people's data. Like, we're independent. In fact, we're doing a crowdfunding program right now with Indiegogo. We want to make sure that we're independent and we're not, uh, you know, ever tempted to, uh, you know, to do anything less than, you know, total uh, privacy for every single person. Because I think one of the things people don't realize a lot of the apps that you use for free um, actually are really monetizing your data, things like Facebook and Instagram, uh, in a way that you might not find appropriate. So, Well, and especially if we're talking about something like sex addiction, nobody needs to be paranoid. They're, your information is a thousand percent safe. Nobody's going to know your secrets or whatever. Yeah. In fact, we are, you know, to, to greater, a great extent, we take much more care of your personal data than the porn sites you visit and your ISP do, does. Right. Um, you know, so uh, so to a great extent, it, it can be a, a positive tool, but it's entirely private and designed for your eyes only. Um, you know, no one else can see what you're doing and what your reports look like unless you let them. So I, we got to wrap up. This has been fantastic. Gabe, is there anything you, you want to add? And do you, or do you guys have any other questions for Gabe? Your questions have been great. Um, yes. Are you, I don't know if it's showing in the screen because my screen's being weird, but Gabe, in the meantime, is there anything you want to add? Yeah, I just want to encourage folks, if you, if you or anybody that you know suffers from uh, an overuse of technology problem, whether that's screen time, social media, video games, gambling, shopping, porn, uh, any of the things that you might do with your phone or with your uh, computer, I want to you know, encourage you to please uh, go to onward.org, share it with the people that you know. Um, you know. Our mission is to help everybody set their own limits and, uh, and achieve their, their personal growth goals. And uh, you can be part of that by, by supporting what we do. Fantastic. I highly recommend it. It's on my phone. I half did it. You guys, maybe this will give me the courage. I took the quiz. I either did really well or really badly on the quiz, depending on how you <laughs> well or badly. Um, but Gabe, thank you. Thank you so much. Go thank share this, you guys. Um, help the people in your lives. I'll see you next week uh, for my next Facebook Live. That's it. Thanks, you guys. Thanks. Bye.